0: Good morning to Calvary family and to our uh, guests from Calvary Academy. We're so happy to have you all here with us today. Today's a special day. I, I, I appreciate the worship team and the ministry uh, there. You, you saw the artwork out there. Uh, we have just, we have a wonderful, wonderful school for children, uh, for actually not just children. I mean, it it is uh, pre-K all the way through tw- 12th grade, wonderful, wonderful academy, and uh Pastor Yvonne introduced Stephanie, Stephanie in her first year as principal here, doing a fantastic job. Bennett loves his class, and uh, just the continued report that we get back from teachers and students is how wonderful uh, the school is. And so uh, if you've never had the opportunity to, God bless you, if you've never had the opportunity to uh, be a part of it, see what's all doing, it's a wonderful place uh, to get your family and kids connected. Uh, I love, one of the things I was thinking about, the things I love about the academy uh, that talks so much about how people believe in the quality of the academy. You know, we have a we have a board of education. Um, half of the board of education do not have students that go here. Uh, they were on the board of education when they had kids going here, and they've just stayed because they believe in the vision and mission of the, of the school. And so it's an exciting thing. And so uh, make sure to take time to talk to the students, uh, get a chance to look out at their artwork there. It's a, it's a wonderful, great, uh, ministry. I'm excited about it. Enrollment for next year. Uh, right this year, we are at 218. Next year, we're already looking at 236 uh, students. So that's, a, that's growing. Uh, it's a great, uh, great connection. They're doing summer camps uh, this year for elementary and preschool. Uh, and there's actually information in your bulletin about that. You stop out at the table to learn more about it. We're just going to continue to grow it and continue to believe that God's going to bless us as we reach and uh, invest in kids. Amen. Well, maybe. How many of you remember Janet Reno? Janet Reno, the Attorney General, used to be the Attorney General, right? And I don't know if anybody knows her personally, but you know, when when she was the Attorney General, she created a a set of um, criteria to consider somebody as part of a cult. Did you know that? She did. Yeah. Before the and you know, you remember all the Branch Davidian stuff that was happening when she was. All right. So one of the criteria that she said is if they give ten percent or more of their income to a religious organization. They're part of a cult. Well, so there's the question. Are you part of a cult or not? Uh, because we teach uh, that the tithe is 10% of uh, your income. In Malachi chapter 3, it talks about bringing the whole tithe. So it's maybe uh, food in my house. And, and this, is, this is the only place that God says, test me in this. Test me in this and see if God is faithful. Now, it's interesting that by the government standards, if you are obedient and faithful to what God says to do, you've joined a cult. Welcome. <laughs> no. But here, here's, the, here's the great thing. This is a great testimony for the generosity of our church, the great generosity of our church. We've had uh, members of our congregation, the IRS has actually contacted them to find out about their charitable contributions because it's so large. That's a great testimony to God's faithfulness. Here's the awesome thing. When people are faithful, we have the opportunity to join with ministries around the world. This past Friday night, we sent a a group of folks to a Light for the Lost banquet where we were able to pick up a number of uh, projects to help with uh, producing uh, Christian literature for uh, people around the world and to uh, be able to share the love of God. We also picked up two uh, new projects this week uh, through your, because of your faithful giving. We were able to pick up two new projects. One was to uh, provide Bibles uh, to a missionary uh, that's actually provided Chinese Bibles to us as part of the academy. So we were able to uh, sow into their ministry. And then we were also able to help uh, pay for the production of a new uh, fire Bible uh, in a new language. Um, remind me of the language. Odea, I don't even know, where's that spoken at? India, all right. We're helping people in India read the word of God because of your generous giving. So regardless of what the IRS says, regardless of what Janet Reno says, when you continue to be faithful and obedient, you know what we're doing is we're spreading the gospel. Your generosity, your giving is so wonderful and is such a blessing to you and a blessing to others. So let me encourage you to continue to be faithful in your giving. If we could invite the ushers to come down to receive this morning a tithe and an offering, just understand when you give here on a Sunday, you're not just keeping the lights on here in the building, you are ministering around the world by helping to produce gospel literature, by helping to send missionaries to the field, by helping to partner with people that will go places you will never go. So let's continue to be faithful, let's continue to be generous, and let's continue to see God expand the gift that he's given us so we can bless others. Father, we thank you, we praise you for your generosity in our lives, and I pray that we would continue to faithfully give so that we can be a blessing to others around the world. We know that we can test you. And we will never fall short. Your blessings are new every day and we will never outgive you. So this morning we give you thanks and we give you praise in your precious name. Amen. Amen. God bless you as you give. Maybe, did I forget to turn off my mic? Did you guys mute me? I think I forgot to turn off my mic when you, which I don't really need a mic when we're singing. You might might have heard me or not. John told me last week, because how great is our God, that that's the song I can sing the loudest on the face of the planet. And so, John, sitting back here with monitors and everything, said he heard me. And so, um, it's everything I'm loud when I sing. I love that song. Well, hey, we're excited to have you here with us this morning. Um, I did have a couple of things I wanted to mention. This is uh, why we use paper, uh, because your brain is for thinking and dreaming, and paper is for remembering. And so there's two things I wanted to uh, point out today uh, just as a reminder. We have our worship night tonight, and we'll have a missionary guest. And so if you could join us at 5 o'clock, we'll be in here at 5 o'clock tonight. We'll have preschool child care as part of it, but we'll also be an extended period of time of worship Uh, an hour or so. We'll see how the spirit moves and then we'll have a uh, guest speaker tonight and a little reception out in the foyer afterwards so you can have a chance to meet the missionary and talk about them. So it is a kind of a dual purpose but we'd love to have you be a part of that tonight. It's gonna be a wonderful time so we look forward to seeing you at five o'clock. So here's why we do it at five o'clock. Five o'clock is that it's early enough for those of you that have young kids that you can still get them to bed on time and for those that don't want to drive in the dark. You don't have to drive in the dark. And so we'd love to have you back here at 5 o'clock and join us. It's going to be a good time here in the sanctuary. We're looking forward to that. The other thing I want to announce, last week Heather shared about our adoption story with Bennett, uh, shared parts of it. And um, we actually, I, the joke I like to make is that Bennett is so symbol of God, he was born in Hot Springs, Arkansas. Um, the joke about that, if you know Assemblies of God history, is that the Assemblies of God was founded in Hot Springs, Arkansas. And in, in Hot Springs, Arkansas, we actually have... um, It used to be called the Assembly of God Family Services. It actually used to be the uh, Hillcrest Children's Home and Highlands Maternity Home. Uh, Now it is called Compact Family Services. And we wanted to announce that this year we will be doing a missions trip to Compact at the end of September, beginning of October. And uh, we're, we're getting the interest uh, p- uh, for people right now. So if you're interested in doing that, we have a sign-up sheet out of our out of our information booth in the foyer. Uh, Pastor Yvonne is, I don't know if you've agreed to lead it yet or not, but I'm just going to prophetically declare that Pastor Yvonne is, is leading the trip. Uh, it's a great opportunity to work with the uh, the, they, 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 they do several things. They've got they've got foster care. Uh, they've got children that are in the state system that they're taking care of. They have a maternity home. They do adoptions. They, they do all sorts of different ministries. And so it's a great opportunity to continue to express the, the heart of God uh, to people that are in need. You know, Bennett's, uh, Bennett's birth mom uh, was in the maternity home. She wasn't planning on giving him up for adoption. And she decided over the weekend... 10 days before he was due to give him up for adoption. And so it worked out really well for us and for him. And uh, so it's just a blessing. But we would love to have you be a part of that. You might not be aware of this. Women's ministry already supports uh, the children's home out there. And so it's one of our missions projects. And we're going to actually get ready to give them a donation out there to help with some of their uh, physical plant needs uh, because they're, they're have they're on an aging campus. And so they have some immediate needs that we're going to do. And then next year, at Father's Day, we actually have the director of the agency, a guy named Jay Mooney, will come out and be with us. And so I, I, love, uh, I love adoption. I love foster care. I love uh, the ministry of that. And so if you'd like to be a part of that, just sign up out in the foyer for an interest. Uh, it's, the cost, I think the estimate, is about $1,100 uh, and that's a fly. we figured flying out there instead of driving because it's like a two-day drive. And uh, so that would be a wonderful time. And so uh, if you're interested in that, please sign up out there. It's going to be a, uh, one, be our only missions trip this year. Next year we're working on three, uh, we're trying to get three different trips. We're looking at one possibly to Scotland, uh, one to Mexico. You remember the Abusios that were here with us uh, um, last month, or the month? They were here with us last month. And then we're trying to find a third one. We're actually looking at potentially uh, South Africa. Uh, We'll have a missionary that will be with us next month, Adam Fogelman. uh, And so he's going to uh, South Africa. And so we're looking at that as a possibility. And so we would love to have you. Listen, God blesses churches that support missions. God blesses you when you participate in missions. I can't tell you how much your life will be transformed. If you have never gone on a missions trip, if you've never gone on a missions trip, let me encourage you. Pray about where God would have you to go. Pray about where God would have you to go, because it will transform your perspective when you start understanding how you can be used in such a short period of time. See, you don't just go on the missions trip for the, what it does to you know does for that country. You go because what God's going to do in you. And so let me encourage you, uh, just pray about it. It's going to be a great time. And so we got that one in October, September, end of September, beginning of October. Love to have you come and be a part of that. Well, this morning is Calvary Academy Day, and uh, I, love, uh, the, uh, I love the students. They did a great job today. They did a wonderful job. I love, I love seeing kids in church. I love, um, I, you know, I spent, um, well, I started as a children's pastor. You guys all know that. Um, I actually started in, I started working in ministry at 12 years old helped out in a fourth grade Sunday school class when I was in sixth grade. And uh, it was really the reason I started helping out was because of Sue Riley. Now, you remember, I've I've mentioned Sue before. I actually mentioned uh, Sue passed away just a few weeks ago, unfortunately. But she'd had dementia. Um, But she really is one of the main influences for me, beyond my family, for being in ministry. She was a huge part of why I got involved in ministry. And you know what she did? Here was the most important thing she did. She asked if I wanted to do something. She said, I saw you helping take the offering the other day during a kid's crusade at church. And she said, how would you like to help me out? I said, okay. I didn't know anything about helping out in a fourth grade Sunday school class. And so, But, hey, when you're in sixth grade, you think you're pretty big stuff. And so you want to you wanna go help out where you can. And so it was a good opportunity for that. I loved to be a part of that. And Sue showed me so much of what uh, ministry looked like. Uh, she was, Sue was the mom of my mom's best friend. And so uh, here, here was a 50-plus-year-old woman that uh, taught me a whole lot about ministry. You know, I learned, I've learned a lot in life, uh, and most of I, what I've learned have com- has come through examples. You know, it's come through the example of others and the example of my family. I, I think I, I, I know for a fact that my family is the biggest influence in my life. I, I love my parents. Uh, I'll tell a lot of jokes about my dad. Um, and I was talking to Ellen the other day. And I said something in her office. And she goes, the things you say uh, about it. Because, you know, my dad, he invites it. He, you know, he, like, listen, the man has watched our service three or four times while sitting in his church service in the sanctuary. I told my mom, I said, Mom, slap that phone out of his hand. Now, I know he's a proud dad. And if you're watching, Dad, you better turn that off. So, but I love my dad. My dad has taught me so many things in life. Yesterday, I had an opportunity to go out and do one of my favorite things, play a little golf yesterday. You know why I started playing golf? Because there's an opportunity to hang out with my dad. The first time I was supposed to go play golf, it was so upsetting. I was seven years old. I got chicken pox. And I tried to, I, I begged, I pleaded, I cried, didn't matter. I, I covered head to toe in cow lotion, I bought white spots, every, didn't matter. They weren't going to let me go out. So upsetting. I actually, you know, I'm, I, I'm, I'm relatively handy. Uh, part of the reason I'm handy is because my dad owned a cabinet shop for years. For years. And uh, I know he bought it from his dad. And I know that one of his hopes was that either me or my brother would purchase the cabinet shop. And so for years, we would go, and uh, I I would sweep the shop. I would help install kitchens and bathrooms and uh, do all of those things. And uh, God called my brother into ministry. Then he called me into ministry. And so uh, we never never bought the cabinet shop. You know, I mean, it it was Carl's cabinet shop. Uh, I may have told you this. My dad's name is Mickey. Uh, He bought it from his dad, who is Fred. Um, (laughs) Carl actually died in 1952. Uh, My grandpa bought it in 1956 from Carl's widow, Uh, but the best we could figure is that uh, grandpa was too cheap to change the sign, and so we just stuck with Carl's cabinet shop. So people all around Dayton, Ohio, uh, think my dad's name is Carl, and uh, it's not. That's okay, Uh, but it's it's one of those things, you know, if you have kids, you want to pass on those things. That you love, you want to pass on those things that you enjoy. And that's why I love this day today, the opportunity to talk about uh, the thing God has called all of us to. And this morning, if you want to open your Bible, we're going to to start in Deuteronomy chapter 6. Actually, we're going to spend all morning in Deuteronomy chapter 6, if you want to turn there this morning. And we're talking about living a D6 life. Deuteronomy 6. Deuteronomy, chapter six. You know, if you uh, if you own your own business, or you've got something that you're passionate about, what do you love to do? You love to invest in it with other people. If you have a kid, maybe you pray that one day that kid will take over your business. Maybe you pray that they'll come alongside you, they'll learn how to do it. You know, my dad has uh, he's closed the cabinet shop now. He uh, he closed it. The economy in Dayton was built off the automotive industry. And when that took a turn south, the need for custom cabinets uh, took a turn south as well. He's, he sold it, shut it down. He's doing another, he's working someplace else now. But, you know, I think, if, um, I think if me and my brother had gone on a different path in life, I think the cabinet shop might still be open. Because dad would have made every effort to be able to pass on to us the thing that he loved doing. And he did pass on a lot of great things about Carl's cabinet shop. I actually have the signs Uh, When we shut it down, um, I told dad, I I got some of the tools too, but I said, the thing I really want is I I want the signs. And uh, one of of the reasons I want one of the signs is because one is spelled wrong. It's um, cabinet is spelled wrong. The I and the E are transposed. So it's actually Carl's cabinet shop, not cabinet shop. And so I I love it. But, you know, I think dad would have made every effort to keep it open if one of us was going to go into business with it and done it. And if you've had something that you want to pass on, maybe an inheritance of some sort. My, when my grandfather passed away last April, my dad suddenly became a, a small militia because of the number of weapons and guns that he inherited uh, from my grandfather. I'm, I'm like, When we moved my grandpa from Tennessee back to Ohio, it took me and my brother and my dad five trips apiece carrying three to four guns apiece my, my grandpa apparently was expecting some sort of armed resistance. But um, now my, 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 grand, my dad's got all this. But if you have an inheritance of something that you've received from your father or mother or your family, what do you most often want to do? You want to be able to pass that along to your kids. You want to be able to pass that along to your family. That's part of the reason I love Calvary Academy. Because it creates an intentional investment in our kids. They get in... Excuse me. They get into a Christian environment. They get into a place where they're learning the word of God along with all of the other elements. And we are creating an intentional legacy in their lives. And I really believe that reflects God's word for us. So let's look at Deuteronomy chapter 6. Uh, if you want to turn there in your Bible, it's on page 188 in my Bible. Uh, I don't know what page it is in, uh, in your Bible. But, you know, these individuals that we come in contact with in life, that make big investments in us, they make such a huge difference, don't they? Think about my dad, Sue Riley. I still remember my first grade teacher, Mrs. Shade. Her name was Mrs. Shade. And actually all the way up through my sophomore year in college, I would go back and visit Mrs. Shade a couple times a year. I'd read to students in first grade. She taught at the same Stingley Elementary. Now, it was real easy to go see her when I was in middle school because it was just across the field. But I would go back, and Mrs. Shade, and I'll be honest with you, I don't remember why I loved her so much. All I know is that I did. She was a significant person in my life. You know, other significant people in my life. I I talked about Sue Riley. My aunt and uncle, they were always investing in me through, they served in our local church, and we, we were really close to them. The Sunday school teachers I had growing up, the ranger commander, Glenn Phillips, I think of Glenn Phillips, was a Royal Ranger commander I had when I was in Pioneers. Now, if you're not familiar with Royal Rangers, Pioneers doesn't exist anymore. It's Discovery Rangers now, I believe, is the age group. But these are people, when I think about it, I think of the children's pastors that were invested in my life, the youth pastors that were invested in my life. I think about all of these people that have invested in my life that have gotten me to where I am at now. And I reflect on Deuteronomy chapter 6, and I see a great need. In the church today, so let's look at Deuteronomy chapter six. We'll go through it, and then we'll we'll come back uh, through it a little bit. I I um I love this this here. This actually this uh, this chapter is seeing a big move right now in the area of family ministry. We're seeing a lot of instructions here uh, given to parents, and I, I want to talk about it today. So here, starting in verse one, it says, "These are the commands, decrees, and laws the Lord your God directed me to teach you." To observe in the land that you're crossing the Jordan to possess. All right, so let's make sure we understand, who's he talking to here? Where it says, these are the the, to teach you to observe. Who is you in this? Well, if we we look in uh, chapter 5, verse 1, Moses summoned all Israel. All right, so this is the entire nation of Israel that he's talking to here. Because in chapter 5, he went through the Ten Commandments. He went through those first, the Ten Commandments, and this is a continuation of that narrative right there. Uh, to, so, so um, that you are crossing to the Jordan to possess, so that you, your children, and their children, after them, may fear the Lord your God as long as you live by keeping all his decrees and commands that I give to you, and so that you may enjoy long life. Hear, Israel, and be careful to obey so that it may go well with you and that you may increase greatly in the land flowing with milk and honey, just as the Lord, the God of your ancestors, promised you. Hear, O Israel. The Lord our God, the Lord is one. Now, here's the most, one of the most popular verses in the Bible. We all, we all know this one, Deuteronomy 6, 5. It says, Love the Lord your God with all your heart and with all your soul and with all your strength. These commandments that I give you today are to be on your hearts. Impress them on your children. Talk about them when you sit at home and when you walk along the road, when you lie down and when you get up. Tie them as symbols on your hands and bind them on your foreheads. Write them on the door frames of your houses and on your gates. Now let's pause right here. When you look at it here, verse verse 2, it says, So that you, your children, and their children may fear the Lord your God as long as you live by keeping all his decrees. And so that you may enjoy long life. So he's saying keep these decrees so that you will enjoy a long life. But he says something very important here. He says teach them to your children, your children's children. Here's here's what he's saying. Teach them to the next generation so that they will live beyond your life. Teach them to the next generation so that they won't forget what I have done in their life. That's what God's saying. Teach them so that it won't forget. But here's the problem. Oftentimes we read this and we say, Yes, parents, teach your children. Teach your children. You need to instruct your. But is Moses talking to just parents. Moses isn't talking to his parents. He's talking to the entire nation of Israel. He says, teach it to your children so that they will know the Lord and enjoy long life. Hear, O Israel, and be careful to obey so that it may go well with you. Hear, O Israel, and set the example. Who are you setting the example for? Your children and your children's children. You're setting the example for the next generation. You're setting the example for those that are going to come after you. This is not a simple thing. This is actually something that he has tasked the entire nation of Israel with. Not just a little portion. Not just those that want to teach Sunday school. Not just those that want to do kids' church. Not just those with children. He says this to everybody. Why? Bless you. Why does he say this to everybody? Because if we miss teaching to the next generation, it won't be long before we have no one to teach to. Josh McDowell, a well-known youth speaker, uh, wrote a book called The Last Christian Generation. And he wrote it probably at this point about 10 or 12 years old. When he wrote it, people assumed that he was talking about the generation that was born then. But he was talking about his generation. Josh McDowell is Josh McDowell's in his 60s at this point. Referred to his generation as the last Christian generation. How many of you have ever bemoaned or noticed the continued decline of the influence of the church? We get sad, we get upset, we get hurt about it. And we say, look at the kids today. Look how bad it is. And we blame the kids for where they're at. Here's one of the things that I know. What one generation tolerates the next generation embraces. What one generation tolerates, the next one embraces. How many of you remember of the latchkey kids of the 80s? You remember that, that the big thing where t- kids were coming home from school and having to let themselves in to school, you know, that both parents were working, the big consumerism, and then we start seeing this big detachment from parents to kids. And then we see a pendulum swing the other way. We saw a pendulum swing. Now if you look at the kids that were the, the last key kids of the 80s, now they're parents. And now they've got this new thing called hover, or helicopter parents. Heli- anybody heard that term? Yeah, if anybody teaching in class right now? Yeah. <laughs> we got college professors having parents call them upset over grades. Yeah. We have parents holding teachers to blame for students not doing well. But what was that? It's an outflow of the detachment that those kids of the 80s felt from their parents. Now they've become the exact opposite, really. You know, when we start talking about society and the change in culture and the the adjustments that we're facing and things, we can easily point at those that have not done it the way we would do it. Maybe, maybe they didn't grow up in church. You know, really, uh, if you talk about culture and society today, um, the church has a wonderful opportunity. Because studies show that uh, the United States is really approaching a post-Christian perspective. People growing up in church, you say, how is that a good opportunity? Well, the opportunity to expand the gospel is vibrant and real in the world today. We can't assume that people know about God. Because at some point in the church, there was a gap. Am I saying just in Calvary? No, no, it's happened to the church as a whole. There was a gap in teaching to your children and to your children's children, to intentionally investing in the next generation. Is it that we didn't value kids? No. But at some point there was a break. At some point there was a break. But here's the beautiful thing about Deuteronomy chapter six is it tells us how to fix it. It tells us how to fix it. When you look at verses verse seven, it says, "And well, actually we'll pick up in verse six. It says, These commands that I give to you today are to be on your hearts. Impress them on your children. Talk about them when you sit at home and when you walk along the road, when you lie down and when you get up. Tie them as symbols on your hand and bind them on your foreheads. Write them on the door frames of your houses and your gates. So the task we are given in verse 5, it says, Love the Lord your God with all your heart and with all your soul and with all your strength. These commands I give to you today are to be on your hearts. That's the task that he gave everyone. How do we do it? Well, if you look at what 7 through 10 says, we do it by making the word of God and living for God and loving God part of our everyday life. But here's the thing we have to remember. This isn't just to parents. We can't just say, parents, fix your kids. We all have a responsibility. Each and every one of us. When we we hear Moses say, Hear, O Israel, this is what we should hear today Hear, O church. Hear, O church. Hear the commands of the Lord and obey them. Set the example for the next generation. Impress them on the children of your church. Because when you look at this, he says you on your children and your children's children, he's not just talking to parents. He's talking to the children of our church. We all carry that responsibility to invest in the next generation. This is why I value Christian education at Calvary Academy. This is why I value children's ministry here at Calvary Lighthouse. This is why I value our young adults and our youth ministry. Because we have a responsibility and an obligation to intentionally invest in the next generation or else there will not be a church tomorrow. And here's the thing. This isn't just a certain age category that he's talking to. He's talking to every single person in the nation of Israel. Hear, O Israel. But here's the hard thing. Reaching kids can be challenging. You know, it's always funny when I was a children's pastor, uh, the number of people that would tell me, "I'm, I'm afraid of kids. Kids are like the least scary thing on the face of the planet. Now, I will be honest with you. Kids can be gross. Okay? They throw up. They're snotty. Yeah, I know they need diapers changed. Right, right? They, they put things in their mouth that they should. I mean, Bennett picked up a piece of gum off the ground yesterday out of a parking lot. And he was like, I'm like, dude, what are you doing? Yeah, yeah, he was going to, he, Heather had to have a conversation with him that caterpillars are not food. <laughs> kids can be hard. They're not scary. They can be frustrating, right? Yeah, yeah. <laughs> How many of you had kids at home, right? Right? I, I love my son. There's not going to be any question. But that boy, when he climbs in Bebelous at a quarter to six in the morning, I really, I would prefer he stayed in his own bed. I love him. But kids need someone that's going to invest in them. Otherwise, if we don't make it an intentional focus of who we are, we won't have a church in a few years. This isn't to say that kids are the church of tomorrow. The kids are church today. They don't get a junior measure of the Holy Spirit. They don't get a junior portion of God. They don't get a junior measure of Jesus. They're fully Christian. But they need someone to show them. They need someone to teach them. They need somebody to lead them, to guide them, to invest in them. I have a wonderful testimony about our church. We have young people here. We have young people here. We don't have as many as we should. Just be 100% honest with you. You know, in studying church statistics, a healthy church, your children's ministry makes up 20% of your congregation. Your youth ministry makes up 10% of your congregation. Our youth ministry is more like 3% of our congregation. And our children's ministry is more like 10%. What do we need to do? We need to make some changes to intentionally invest. In younger generations. I had some wonderful, I had, you know, the, the connection receptions that we, that I was doing. Um, first of all, like the 55-plus crowd, you guys win, okay? You had the most people come to that thing. You, you, we had almost 100 55-plus come. I was excited. And here's why I was excited. Because when that crowd came, they all understood. I honor and respect and love the builder generation. Do you know why I love the builder generation? Because they don't give up. They don't quit. That builder generation understands hard work. That's a wonderful thing. But they also recognize something about Calvary, that we're missing young people. And then I had another wonderful epiphany this last week. Because I did a connection reception for 20-somethings. And I had to do two separate ones. And between the two of them, I found 30 to 40 20-somethings that call our, call our church home. That's something you can do something with. That's a place to start. That gives us the opportunity to hear what Deuteronomy 6 says. And to make the intentional investment in the next generation part of who we are as a church. I love our Rangers and Impact uh, Ministries. I love those. If, you, if you've been around for a while, they used to be Impact Girls. They used to be Missionettes. Uh, but I love those ministries. I love our children's ministry. I love our youth ministry. I love all of our ministries. Don't get me wrong. I I, I was over to talk to the prime timers on Thursday. I'm excited about the, the nursing home ministry that the Coltons do. I love our special needs ministry. I love the house of blessing. I love all of these things. These are all wonderful ministries of the church, but if we're going to have a church tomorrow, we're going to have to intentionally invest in this generation, we're going to have to make decisions that lets us have opportunity to invest in a generation. And this is why it's so important. This is why it's so important. Verse 20. I'm skipping verses 13 to, to eighteen or 19. Here's why it's so important. In the future, when your son asks, what is the meaning of the stipulations, decrees, and the laws, our God has commanded you tell him we were slaves of pharaoh in egypt but the lord brought us out of egypt with a mighty hand before our eyes the lord sent signs and wonders great and terrible on egypt and uh, on egypt and pharaoh and his whole household but he brought us out of there to bring us in and give us a land he promised an oath to our ancestors the lord commanded us to obey all these decrees and to fear the lord our god so that we might always prosper and be kept alive as is the case today and if we are careful to obey all the laws before the Lord our God as He has commanded us, this, that will be our righteousness. But what starts that decree? In the future, when your son asks you when Bennett's son asks him, what is Bennett going to say? will he have received an intentional investment so that when my child's child comes to him? This is why we have to invest in the generation today. The ones that we have now, we have to intentionally invest in them so that when their children's children come, they can have an answer. Why do we go to church let me tell you what God's done in my life. Why do we follow these decrees? Let me tell you what God's delivered me from. You know, my dad would have loved to have given me the inheritance of Carl's cabinet shop, he would have been happy for me to be Carl the rest of my life. I'm not going to be a cabinet maker. I'm a pastor, and I talked about people that invested in me intentionally, Sue Riley, Sunday school teachers, other individuals that have influenced me through World Rangers, Impact, children's pastors I've worked with. But if I were to look at the legacy my dad gave me, it has everything to do with why I'm in ministry. My dad will be 70 this year. My dad started working in Royal Rangers when I was five. So 36 years ago, dad started working in Royal Rangers. When we lived in Fredericksburg, Virginia, uh, he started the ranger program there. They actually recruited him to teach straight arrows because I was in straight arrows. And uh, he's pretty sure they, they, they asked him to do it just temporarily, um, which you guys all know that's code of I'm going to stop looking, right? Could you just fill in until I find somebody else? You're the somebody else. 36 years ago, I I stopped going to Royal Rangers on a regular basis when I was 16. So I was in Royal Rangers for 11 years as an active Royal Ranger. I still go on campouts periodically. I, I haven't gone on one for years, but I still love Royal Rangers. My dad's never stopped. 36 years later, my dad's done all sorts of things. He was in charge of the the FCF, which is a frontiersman camping group for Ohio. He was in charge of that for several years. He was in charge of it for the Great Lakes region for many years. He's been on the Royal Rangers national staff for years. But here's one of the things I love to say about my dad right now. He'll be 70 this year. He is currently teaching a class of ranger kids, which are 5- and 6-year-olds. He's never stopped. You never age out of investing in the next generation. You never stop. The legacy that my dad's left in my life, he's impressed them. The laws and the decrees, he's impressed it on my heart. Part of the reason I can give Bennett the answers I can give him is because of the example my parents gave me. And because of the investment that other people made in me. I, I, I love to say it and I mean it. I, I'm a third generation Assemblies of God kid. I've been, my, my parents, my grandparents were in the Assemblies of God church. I have been in church my whole life. Statistics and studies show us that typically where the faith of the generation begins to fall off is in the third generation the assembly of god is coming out of its third generation into its fourth generation of people we're seeing a resurgence of all the evangelical churches we're one of the few ones that are growing because we've made an intentional investment in reaching this generation If we're going to move forward as a church and if we're going to obey the guidance and direction that Moses gave to the nation of Israel and that God is giving to us today, we have to be willing to do the same thing. It's not just those that have children. It's everyone that calls Jesus Lord has the responsibility An obligation to invest in the next generation. So what does that mean for you today? Well, you're going to have to pray about that one. But I think it means God's calling you to invest in the next generation. First, you have to live a life that is pleasing to our Lord. That's what he said. Learn them and obey them. Why are you obeying them? So that you can be an example. And then God is calling you to invest in the next generation so that when their children ask them, why do we do this? Why do we follow God? Why is it important that we go to church? Because every kid asks that. I'd rather just go to the beach. I'd rather go play. Why? We tell them what God's done in our lives. And we show with the faithfulness that we model of how God has transformed our life. The favorite picture that Heather got of us, and I'm I'm not doing this to highlight myself other than the fact that uh, I want you to understand, this isn't just something I believe. This is something that we live. Heather got a picture about a month ago. Uh, pre-service prayer. We just we do a pre-service prayer at nine fifteen to nine forty-five. Bennett and Heather normally get here about nine thirty, and Bennett always wants to come see me. Uh, you've probably seen pictures. Bennett loves to be up here because he wants to preach. And we ask, he goes, "I, I want to preach. Who you want to preach to? Preach to the people. What are you gonna tell him? I'm gonna tell him about Jesus. He'll be four in July. He'll be four in July. But my favorite picture that she got. He came in. His his finger was hurting, and so I said, "Well, let's pray." So we kneeled at the altar. I think, we're over here. We kneeled at the altar and folded his hands, and he prayed. I want a church full of people that are going to model that for my son. I want a church full of people that are going to love my son so that he can tell stories of the Sue Riley that was in his life, of the Dan Gallagher, who was my fourth-grade Sunday school teacher, or the Chuck Sharp that was my third grade Sunday school teacher. The Carl Plummer that was my fifth grade Sunday school teacher. See, sometimes we think it doesn't make a long-term investment. I was 12 years old. Almost 30 years ago. That Sue started that investment. That's a lifetime. We can sometimes lose sight of of how our investment today impacts a life down the line. But what I teach Bennett is directly because of these children's pastors and children's workers and youth workers that invested in me over my lifetime. They took it to heart. The question is, will we as a church take up the call To intentionally invest in our children so that they can invest in their children and their children's children. That's a D6 life based off of Deuteronomy 6 that says, We will invest in the generation. We will invest in the generation.